Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Well, it's been another summer has flown by. Violet, what have you been up to this summer? Oh, it just really slips through your fingers, doesn't it? We were kind of talking about that, that summer, it's just, it's such bliss, but it also is like, you get anxious and amped up and ready for this next year. And I think we're just so close on the cusp of a new school year that it's like, oh, the nerves, the nerves. But I think summer has been just a great release. Um, As you guys have been listening for quite a few years, uh, my girls and I always try to savor the most of summer. And I love their excitement and vigor for even the simplest things. Like I took my girls this morning for a bike ride because they wanted to start their day that way. And we got back and my little one goes, that was just the best ride ever, mom. Like we should do that every day. And it's just, it's, I just love being able to take those moments with them and and be able to create mini adventures or big adventures and just the excitement and the vigor they bring from it. It's like, we, we went to see a movie, a free movie the other day. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We get popcorn. So I just, I think it brings that energy back to why are we in this game? Why are we all educators? Because those kids and the excitement and unlocking new things with them. And so um, we've really been trying to use the strategy. This is our second year of a summer adventure book. So everything that we accomplish, we check it off. They now have illustrated it and um, it just helps us to savor. And we even were looking back at what we did last summer. And it was like, sometimes you get to the end of summer and you're like, what did I really do? And we get to go back and really honor and appreciate our investment in each other and our investment in love of learning and excitement and their interests. You know, I have a budding paleontologist maker on my hands and I have another creative um, ukulele singer on my hands with my two girls. And so just being able to, to savor and relish in those moments with them. And um, it's been fun, you know? Yeah. I mean, summer is always hard to leave because it was wonderful, right? It was (laughs) if your summer was horrible to be like, yes, I get to go back to work. And I'm sure some people feel that way. But yeah, it's that bittersweet of like, oh, we've had this amazing adventure this time and now it's back to somewhat reality, but that excitement too of the new school year. And it's like, you know, once you walk through the doors and you see your friends you haven't seen all summer and things, that that excitement comes right back. Absolutely. I mean, it's always, as educators, we live in seasons and it's just savoring every season and that we got to have that moment of pause is amazing. But now to get up and going again, it's also good and it keeps us keeps us motivated moving towards winter and cold, which is crazy. Um, what did you do this summer, Courtney? What's been going on for you? Um, I spent a ton of time in my garden. It's probably been the best garden season thanks to all the rain that we've had. I've cut huge bushels of zinnias. My garden basket's not even big enough. Um, lots of morning walks with pickles and just really taking time to relax. And I've read like crazy um, a lot of good books out there and hoping to finish a few um, still and keep up that reading each night. Oh, nice to actually read for pleasure, not for PD for once, right? I mean, we all enjoy I mean, I PD, did read but... for PD, but uh, <laughs> a lot of my books were for pleasure. I'd say probably more pleasure books than PD this summer. 
Well, I'm sure Pickles is also getting a little anxious that she knows that you're not going to be around soon and you're getting busy. So I'm glad you guys had all those moments in the garden and on, on your nice walks around the lake and so on. Yeah, I keep warning her, mommy is starting back at work. <laughs> Build up that control to stay in the house all day. But I think sometimes I think she gets excited for her a long time because I sometimes think I annoy her. I'm around <laughs> too much. <laughs> Well, I I can empathize. I mean, my children begged to go to summer school this year. So I was like, but we get less time. They're like, but we have to keep going. We have to make things and it's STEM based. We got to go, mom. I'm like, all right, sounds good. (laughs) Balance in all things, right? Definitely. Well, it was nice to reflect on the summer, but now we're going to jump into getting ready for the new school year. Today, we have Suzanne Daly, instructional coach in the Central Bucks County School District where she has the honor and joy of working with over 500 elementary teachers and 8,000 students. She teaches model lessons, facilitates professional development sessions, and mentors teachers to be the best for the students in front of them. Suzanne is nationally board certified, a fellow for the National Writing Project, and has a master's degree in reading. She is dedicated to nurturing and developing the whole child and teacher and presents these topics at a local, state, and national level. She's also the author of Teach Happier This School Year, 40 Weeks of Inspiration and Reflection, and the host of the popular weekly podcast, Teach Happier. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so excited to jump in with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Oh, it's just a wonderful day to have this conversation, and we want to learn more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in education and coaching and just catch up, up a little bit on how you got where you are now? So I've been teaching for 22 years, and 10 of those years have been in the role of an instructional coach. So I work for a school district. It's the fourth largest in Pennsylvania. So I get to coach in 15 elementary schools with about 500 of the most beloved elementary colleagues on this planet. So we're K through six at the elementary level. So I get to not only do the more formal things like workshops and professional development, but I also get to co-teach and do model lessons and be a professional matchmaker and connect really great people from one school to another. Um, I get to teach just about every day, which is wonderful. I'm very grateful for that. And that also helps me as a coach, make sure that some of the suggestions I'm giving are for the kids today so that hopefully they are realistic and they will help teaching and learning. So very happy to have this role. And prior to this, I'm a fourth grade teacher in the core of my heart. And I was a reading specialist as well. So reading and writing instruction are my passion. And I'm thankful that I still get to teach that just about every single day. Well, I'm a fellow East Coaster. Um, But that's a lot of schools to work in. That must be a challenge. It is a challenge. But Now that I've had this role for 10 years, it's really, really wonderful, the relationships that I'm able to create and nurture in all of those schools and at all those levels and everybody's important role. It's just so neat to see just what everyone is bringing every single day, whatever their important role is. And so it's it might seem like a lot, I guess, when I say that out loud, but Over the years, it has become such a wonderful network of just really passionate, dedicated, supportive uh, colleagues. I'm sure you're like a well-oiled machine now after 10 years of doing it. 
hundred percent. I wouldn't say that, Courtney, but I have absolutely found ways to help keep track of things and make sure I'm checking in on folks. And there's lots of iPhone reminders and alarms that help me do that. But um, as well oiled as I can be, right? I think we all live by our digital calendars nowadays. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pursue the work you're currently doing and what impact do you hope to make in your industry? So I love being a teacher and the I'm going to weddings now of past students and holding their babies from my old fourth graders. And that is just such a, a tremendous gift. But what I get to do in this role as an instructional coach is I feel like I get to impact more students by impacting their teachers. And so to get the text of, oh my gosh, it worked, or I tried it and I'm feeling really good, but I have one more question. Just knowing that there are really big ripple effects happening among 15 buildings is a, is a huge responsibility, but it's also such a wonderful privilege and opportunity every day. No two days are the same, but I do feel that the the impact is more widespread. We have about 8,000 students at the elementary level, and I am the only one in our school district who goes to all elementary schools in an instructional coach capacity for all K through six. We do have some other folks who are more specialized by job role or grade band, but I'm the only one who gets to really work with everybody, which is just so wonderful. But my goal and my hope is not only the professional development, it's the personal development. I've become deeply passionate about this. I I really started just a few years before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, it just became so overtly obvious that teachers need that personal development. And if we want to show up really well for the kids in front of us, we have to affirm who we are and what we need as the person behind whatever our role is. So thankfully, in my role, I get to do both. Sometimes it's the emphasis is either more on the professional development, but also sometimes it's more on the personal development. And that has been a really great gift, I think, to come out of the pandemic is just kind of taking that narrative of teachers, we're not superheroes, we're human beings that need to take care of ourselves and our own families at home before we can really show up beautifully for kids. So my my hope and my goal is that I can kind of approach tasks in that two-pronged way for the personal development and professional development. And that's so huge. I love the idea of the personal development and that rapport and relationship that has to be there in order to actually have the deep professional development and being able to just hone in on those those nuances and those connections in so many ways. That's unbelievable. Tell us, Suzanne, a little more about what are some of your key trends or developments that you're seeing shaping education in the near future? And how do you think professionals can adapt to them? How can we be able to help assist in that process? So we've been adapting to a lot lately. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It really is wild. Like if we were to pause and to just make a running list of everything that we have adapted to since March, 2020, 
It is bananas. Um, I wouldn't yes. even, in my head, it sounds like a good idea, but I think it's in reality, it's a terrible idea because it would be overwhelming to even look at that list. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the trends that are happening right now are really exciting and are really going to move us forward. So with staying with that professional development and personal development idea um, professionally at the elementary level, all that we're learning about the science of reading is so fascinating and so important. Before we started recording, we were talking about a new reading program that um, that Courtney's district is, is looking into. And it's just so what we can know now about the human brain and how it stores vocabulary terms and how background knowledge helps us with connecting new words to new concepts. And it's really amazing. And so I think that as we better understand how we can just make these little tweaks to make our instruction more effective. Um, Moving from a word wall to a sound wall. That sounds so trite, but that is so impactful when we think of what that can do for our students long-term. That explicit phonics instruction that when the three of us went to school, it was whole language all the way, right? And like, you'll figure it out. Knowing that we can really teach phonics explicitly and systematically. When I am in primary classrooms and we look at an unknown word and we start applying phonetic skills to those words to decode it, it's amazing what kids at six or seven can do. And the exciting part is what that means for them when they're 16, 26, 36, we really are building readers. And when we can really cultivate that joy in reading when we understand the science behind reading. So I think right now we're at a big crossroads in terms of literacy instruction because we're still kind of holding on to really what we've known and love to teach, but then it's also coming up against the science of reading. And as we wrestle to find what that looks like in our classrooms, I just think it's so exciting, especially as somebody as a reading specialist, I'm learning things right now I never learned in my master's program and was never able to apply with my classroom of fourth graders or even in my role as a reading specialist. So we're knowing more, so we get to do a little bit better for the kids in front of us, which is really exciting. So professionally, the science of reading is just growing my heart three sizes as if I were the Grinch. (laughs) I love that. I love that. But then it's that personal development, that awareness of student wellness and teacher wellness and coming to the forefront of a lot of conversations. It's powerful. It's it's awakening. It's empowering. It's like we're, we're getting there. We always say about our students, you know, Maslow before Bloom. They can't learn unless they feel safe and they feel secure. Well, as teachers, we are better teachers when we feel safe and we feel secure and we feel supported, just like our students. So I think the narrative is evolving in a really great place that honors both student readiness and wellness and teacher readiness and wellness, which is so exciting to me. So what advice would you give through the lens of a coach of how to make teachers feel safe um, in that space? Do you have some tips on that? I do. So um, I have written a book and I have a podcast. They're both titled Teach Happier. And the little tagline to both the book and the podcast are small shifts, big gifts. 
it's really tiny incremental two degree shifts in our thoughts or our language or our actions. And so really, really small things. What do we decide to put in front of our eyes every day, right? We have a, when we say what what's in your diet, we often think that's food. That means what podcasts are in our ears, what news feeds are in front of our eyes. We have tremendous control over so much of our life. Positive psychologists say that we actually have about 80 to 90% of our life we can impact and influence. 10 to 20%, we can't. We can't control a health diagnosis. We can't control who our current political leaders are. We can't control the weather. We can't control who's on our grade level or department. But we absolutely get to decide how we're going to move through and navigate those seasons. And that's just through those really small shifts. So I think it's understanding what is within our realm of influence and then trying to harness that in the most realistic and rational way possible. Yeah, it goes back to what are we choosing to consume um, because there's a ton out there. We're in a really great stage where there's a ton of information that's easy to access, but what is that information giving us? Yes, and I'm just about to, tonight, I'm putting up my annual Facebook fast. Like, I'm done for the summer. I'll still be active in our Teach Happier Facebook page, but everybody else's summer, I'm not going to look at that because I want to soak up every single second of my summer with my friends and my family and focus on those memories. So I do believe I get a longer summer than most simply because I'm not looking at anybody else's. So that will start tonight. That's so huge. And what great inspiration for others to take that moment or to be able to just celebrate what they're doing as opposed to what they're seeing or consuming. I It's just a great filter to be able to bring to the forefront. And it's a choice and it's a discipline. And I will often get a little pushback, like, what do you mean happiness is a discipline? But it's just the way that we consistently show up every day. And and what are we choosing to pay attention to? What are we choosing to notice? What are we choosing to focus our energy on? That greatly impacts the way we move through our hours and our days. And if you think about it, how we move through our hours and our days is how we move through our weeks, which is how we move through our months, our years, and ultimately our entire lives. And we really don't have much time here. So it's up to us to make sure we're moving through that time as happily and healthy as realistically possible. Realistically possible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all know we're in the midst of a teaching shortage. Um, Luckily, our district is doing quite well with being able to hire, but I know a lot of districts are facing that challenge. Do you have some advice or some ways that coaches can help to support new teachers as they begin the year? I do. And I'm so happy you're asking this question because just on Friday, I got a phone call from a colleague. Now it was like 4.30 on Friday. So I was not that excited to pick up this phone call. I saw who it was from. This is somebody I trust and respect. I pick it up and I'm expecting there to be a problem or like, Suzanne, can you fix this? Help. And he said, Suzanne, we do such a good job in our school district of celebrating somebody when they retire and honoring and acknowledging their 30 or 35 years in the district. Can we flip that? What can we do for our teachers who are finishing their first year? It was 
I like the goosebumps up my arm, the tears in my eyes. And I'm thinking, why have we not done this before? Right. So you think about a retiree, they get a speech, they get a gift, they get a round of applause. Uh, guess what? So should our first year teachers, what they do what they learn, what they navigate, how they sustain themselves through that first year, it is so, so hard. And they are getting paid so, so little in most school districts. So how are we overtly acknowledging and honoring them? So that phone call happened on Friday. We are recording this the following Tuesday. Things are already in motion to 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 really overtly celebrate them both at the end of the year and as we begin our next year. And we really want that to become part of our school district's culture and tradition to honor those who have who have put in 30 plus years of service and are on their way to retirement, but those of us also who are at the beginning of our career and are beginning that whole 30 to 35 years in front of them. And how do we get someone from year one to year 30? We've got to model boundaries. We have to let, we have to model that professional development and personal development. But here's what I've been noticing. I get to work with a lot of new teachers. I work with all of our elementary new teachers every year. They're coming to us, I think, better equipped to ask questions, place some boundaries before we even have to model it for them, and to just really honor what they need a little bit more than I think. I certainly know that that I say my generation, which makes me sound elderly, but I can tell you when I started teaching in the year 2000, we were not putting boundaries. Like we were not saying that. We were just nodding our heads and saying, yes, we'll figure it out, going home, trying the entire way home in our car, and then, you know, not sleeping. I think they're coming to us a little bit better equipped and they have a bit more of a voice than we ever had. So it's just helping them maintain that voice and remain professional, do your work, but then also shut it down and gather yourself as the person behind the role. <laughs> That's a unique spin. I love that celebrating that teacher making it through that first year and not just the retirees. That's an awesome concept. It seems like something that we should be regenerating for every year of making it through a year of education because it is a huge journey and it should be a celebration. I mean, we celebrate every year moving to ne the next grade level in elementary and middle and high. And it's like just being able to honor the entire journey all the way through is so powerful. Absolutely. So once we figure it out and once we do it, I, I want to share that on social media to just to hopefully maybe encourage some other districts yes. to, to do the same. Can you tell us about a memorable experience or project that has had a profound impact on you personally or professionally? So I know you're looking for like one big thing, but I actually, if, if it's okay, I'd like to just share a couple of smaller things. Totally. So, um, and I know I, I have, I keep talking about the book, but I'm only doing that because in uh, teach happier this school year, as we learn, um, these small shifts in thoughts, language, and actions. There's also lessons that teachers can share with their students. And hearing back from teachers nationwide who are trying these lessons with their kids and empowering them by sharing the science of gratitude and what that does to our brain and how we can actually train our brain to scan for the good stuff 
is so thrilling to me. When I see gratitude books in seven-year-old hands, again, I kind of think about if, if gratitude becomes a practice for them at seven, what does that look like as a 17-year-old, 27, 37, et cetera? Or really small things, teaching them about conscious acts of kindness. What are examples of conscious acts of kindness? Why is it important to call it conscious or intentional rather than random? What does that do? What does it do to our brain? What are the chemicals that start flooding through our brain when we perform an act of kindness or someone performs one for us? It is just so empowering to hear some of the, the insights that students are giving as they learn some of these really big concepts in either positive psychology or neuroscience. So this has just been so inspiring and it's just giving me so much energy to, to continue this important work. And it's kind of like a two for one. Teachers are learning a little bit more about this, but then when they can teach their, their students, that really shows their level of understanding. And that's when I'm hope that these small shifts are not only practiced at school, but far more importantly, they're practiced at home. And that's when we know that that transfer of learning has happened and that it's a little more authentic and real. Um, another thing that has been so profound was a phone call I had yesterday. And it's about the trust that we can build as instructional coaches, whether we're working in one building, 15 buildings, 55 buildings. It's the relationships that we choose to nurture. And I got an email at 745-ish. And it was a pretty benign email. It was like, hey, Suzanne, if you have a chance, can we connect today? And I said, perfect. I'm headed over to your school to teach sixth grade. I have this little writing group over there. Um, I'll stop in. She replies back. I, you know, I'll be there at 2.30. Can I stop in before? She said, I've, actually, can I talk to you before that? Great. Tell me when it works. So at 11 o'clock, we do a little quick. We use Microsoft Teams, a little Teams call. And this is one of our best people. Best. She mentors people. She, you know, you've got an idea you want to try out. You're calling this teacher. Like she's going to make it happen. So we, I see her little face on my screen and she just starts to cry. And we are going to call her Violet because. <laughs> and I said, Violet, what's happening? And she said, I don't know, Suzanne. I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm crying right now, but I'm not okay. And I'm looking at the screen. I said, it's okay, right? And I give her the old, like, we laugh and we cry for the same, same reason. We're paying attention. You're paying attention. Tell me more. She's like, I don't think I did it this year. I said, Violet, like, say less. What, what is going on? She goes, I, I don't know if I got my kids as far as I could have. Guys, this is a master teacher. I bring people into her room to watch her teach. And she's saying, I don't know if I've done enough. And so I share this example because it just goes to show no matter how great we are and no matter how effective and impactful we are, we carry so much with us as teachers. And that emotional lift day in and day out is, is a real thing. But I, all, I actually think that 
as we said before, it's finally being acknowledged and we're getting, getting a little more space to be able to share that and to be able to say, I need to tell you, this is hard. This is hard work. And we're coming back together, I think, as a more collaborative, collective group to do this extremely important work. And that is, I think that's going to be real Violet, I'm talking to you now, that's going to be the secret to attracting and retaining teachers. When we know that we have each other to just say, I don't know if I did it this year or today or this week or whatever it is that we just have that safe space to share the true things. It's so powerful as you speak to having the space to rumble with your vulnerability. And when you don't have high efficacy and you need a moment of being able to rumble and go through the weeds, if you will, it's just, it's, I love how you speak to the power of the instructional coach. It's just a beautiful thing. And we all need that lift constantly. We need, it's, it's a hard job every day, day in, day out. And I just appreciate your energy and your light and how you speak to the power. So we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Well, not to drastically shift because good gosh, you have said so many amazing things and just, I feel like brought the energy to start a new school year in a positive way. How unbelievable, but we want to ask you some rapid fire questions. No, no one's very good at 30 seconds or less, but do your best. Um, it's always a challenge, do but <laughs> you're, you're going to do it. You're going to be the winner. Um, tell us first, we want to start off with it's, it's your time to shine. We want to know where we can learn more and from with you and be able to share that with our listeners so that they can fi- follow you and find you and be able to see all of the things you have coming down the pike. Thank you. The easiest place is uh, SuzanneDaily.com or Twitter is Daily Suzanne. And then we have Instagram and Facebook at Teach Happier, the name of the podcast in the book. Amazing. Tell us, and I kind of frame this in a start of the year manner, whether it's a 30-year teacher or your first-year teachers, as you're talking about spanning so many schools and so many interests and so many different things at one time, what would be your tagline or your mantra or your bumper sticker for starting this next school year? I'm stealing this from Brene Brown because of course I am. And it's the same word repeated three times. Before Dr. Brown gets out and does a big speech, she just says to herself out, she whispers, people, people, people. Are we seeing the person behind the student, the colleague, the administrator, the parent? I want people to know that, yes, Suzanne Daly is an instructional coach. She's a mom. She's a, she's a sister. She's a wife. She's a friend. Once we see the human people behind the role, that's when our really uh, anchored work begins. People, people, people. Amazing. And I, I feel um, your, your energy and your light just brings so much to instructional coaching. And we just want to hear one more little tiny snippet of what's your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? It's the same go-to move I do with students. These little shifts of language, right? I try to make it as inclusive as possible. So someone might say, hey, Suzanne, can you come help me? I'm not going to say, I can't wait to help you. I can't wait to work together. I'm not going to say, oh, maybe I can help. Let's figure it out. Trying to use as many we, us, let's, 
it just softens every interaction, whether that's with students or colleagues. That's it. That's the whole secret. (laughs) Well, we appreciate all of your secrets. And truly, you just speak so eloquently from the heart and with so much passion. And we are just grateful to have you here today and to be able to share you with all of our listeners. Um, So thank you for every little every little snippet that you gave us in there. Well, thank you. It's it's so nice to be on this side of the podcast. Usually you're in my ear holes. So it's it's nice to see you and to be a part of the conversation. Thank you. Well, we love you jumping over. (laughs) (laughs) Suzanne shared lots of ways that we can support our colleagues, especially the new teachers. It's essential that we look for ways to be present and create a safe space for them. What do you remember about being a new teacher and how it might make that transition easier? Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3Coaches and also on Instagram. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?